It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Why didn't Teddy pull Because I sat him. Why did you sit him? Because I wanted to. Was it just a precautionary thing, or was there some sort of violation of team rules or something like that? Teddy Bridgewater is the nicest kid in the world. There's no disciplinary action ever with Teddy. So it had nothing to do with discipline. It had to do with my decision. Was it the case of maybe you... It was my decision. How many times are we going to go through this? But he had played so well last week. I mean, it was my decision. Good enough? Welcome to Locked On Vikings, a daily podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom. My co-host is Sage Rosenfels, and we are both operating on an unhealthy amount of sleep, I would assume. Uh, the game went well past midnight last night, flirted with overtime, which might have been the apocalypse. Sage, I, I woke up this morning dreary-eyed to some tweets about you engaged in some exit row frustration is that accurate yes uh, i'm actually uh, doing the opposite of the vikings i'm flying out to seattle uh, and portland for the weekend and uh it had to deal with not being able to sit in exit rows when i'm six foot four and a half and uh nobody's seen in them and i'm tucked into a little bit of a corner but uh i didn't pay for the 30 dollar upgrade so i had to <laughs> sit back in my seat so you're headed to Seattle and Portland. Those are two cities I just visited for the first time this spring. Beautiful places. I'm envious that you are going there, and, and I am still here. Any particular plans for the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going there to uh, to watch one of my favorite bands, Trampled by Turtles, which is a Minnesota-based band yes. uh, out of Duluth and Mankato and Adina uh, all around Minnesota. And uh, become friends with a few of the band members. And so I'm going out there to see them play later tonight in Seattle. Uh, and then drive down to Portland tomorrow where my sister lives and watch them uh, in Portland as well and stay for a few days. So a nice Northwest trip, but it's too bad I didn't fly out on Thursday. I could have watched the Vikings as well. Now, when in Seattle, if you see a very pregnant woman, give her a hug and say Sam says hi because it's probably my sister-in-law who's due next week. So can you do that for me? I'll definitely do that. I'll definitely do that. The Locked On Vikings podcast, Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, Sage Rosenfels, at Sage Rosenfels 18. We have football to talk about. It went into the wee hours of the morning, Vikings and Seahawks. Minnesota Vikings get the job done, 18-11, in what was pretty well an agonizing football game to watch if you uh, got out of the first two quarters. It was sloppy down the stretch, nearly went to an extra session thanks to Seattle kicking a game-tying field goal late. And then thankfully, Marcus Sherrill's a pick six in the final stages to seal the deal for Minnesota. But 
easily the number one talker. Teddy Bridgewater mysteriously benched, though in uniform, did not play at all in preseason game number two. Sean Hill got the start, played the first half. So, Sage, in your experience in the NFL, did a head coach ever willingly pull a starting quarterback from a second preseason game and really have no reason why, at least that we know of? Uh, not that I recall, uh, but it's also not something that really surprises me. Um, it, I'm sure it's happened you know, many times before. Uh, you hate to speculate and all that that's happened or that has gone on or what's going on behind the scenes. I think it's uh, you know important that Mike Zimmer keeps whatever the reasons are in-house. He doesn't have to give us that information. It is just the preseason. It's not that big of a deal. It could be anywhere from just wanting to get Sean Hill some extra reps uh, as the starting quarterback, which I believe, you know, me being mostly a backup in my career, uh, to go out there in the first quarter uh, and start and with more crowd noise early, and especially the preseason games. It might be something like that. Uh, it might be something uh, with the offensive line and his concern with the offensive line and getting Teddy hurt uh, and wanting to play out more than in, in that third preseason game. Uh, it could be something that maybe Teddy did in a meeting or, uh, you know, in the practice field or, or in the locker room. We don't know. And, and I, I never really like speculation because uh, that's when rumors start flying and people start making things up and things like that. But uh, I, I think, you know, Teddy handled it well, saying it was coach's decision. Uh, I think, you know, Mike Zimmer is going to handle it the way he wants to handle it. Um, he's obviously going to be fairly dry with the press about this decision. It's not that big of a deal. It is the preseason. So I don't think it's a huge, you know, matter to overanalyze. But, you know, as media members, we all like to do that. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy on the Vikings beat stage, so obviously I love speculating and I love overanalyzing things. But the, the Mike Zimmer comments last night, I thought were a little confusing just because it seemed like a relatively easy thing to debunk. If you just come out and say, we know what we have in Teddy, it was important that we get Sean Hill some reps with the first team to see what we have rather than let it run wild, you know, control the message and don't let us think the worst possibility. Cause that's what people were doing for a while. What did Teddy Bridgewater do to earn this discipline? Zimmer did clarify it was not disciplinary. And I think we'll take his word for that because as he said, Teddy Bridgewater is the nicest person on the face of the earth, an exact quote. So I, I guess we'll have to, Maybe go forward and not know for sure, but I think at its base, you're right. Sean Hill got some time, which is valuable for him. Teddy Bridgewater looks like he is healthy, that he is not in any trouble, and considering that's all we know, we'll just have to run with it. Well, I mean, it could even be something where uh, Mike Zimmer wants to push Teddy a little bit. I mean, you know, he is sort of the guy uh, up in Minnesota. Uh, but, you know, he's not, he hasn't gone to five Pro Bowls. He hasn't uh, you know, been to the Super Bowl. Uh, he hasn't really done all that much in his, in his short NFL career. So it could be a position where, hey, Sean Hill, you go out, maybe Sean's been practicing very, very well, had a great camp. Uh, let, let's see what Sean can do with those starters uh, to push Teddy a little bit, uh, to, you know, to make Teddy uh, you know, sort of be on your toes. I mean, Bill Belichick does stuff like this all the time, even with great players. Uh, he'll do these little things to sort of create an edge uh, to make them work a little bit harder in practice, to always 
you know, sort of worry, like, is coach going to take me out? Is coach going to not play me? You know, sort of show who's in control. Uh, could be something like that as well. So, you know, there's four or five different uh, scenarios here, uh, which it could be. But at the end of the day, Teddy didn't play. Uh, the Vikings won the game. And, again, it was just it was just the preseason. Sage, I have a couple questions for you, and I promise that they're going somewhere. Now, in your career, when you started, did you feel like your arm strength was much stronger than at the end of your career, for instance? Uh, I would say my arm is probably the strongest somewhere in the middle uh, of my career. I think it took me a couple of years to really understand how, you know, how to you know, throw an NFL ball, I guess, or really use uh, my body and, and to, to maximize the velocity and accuracy. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, I think at the end of the career, your body just starts to get a little bit older. I wasn't as quite as strong as I was when I was in my, you know, mid to late twenties. So, uh, I definitely lost it, especially my deep ball. You know, not, when I was young, I could throw a, you know, 60, 65 yard post, uh, in practice, but, uh, you know, as I got older, those dropped down to, you know, more like 55 yards. So, you know, the deep ball is more than those sort of intermediate 15, 20 yard passes. The deep ball is where you're your arm usually starts lacking at the end of, end of your career. And you see that with guys like Peyton Manning, uh, and even Drew Brees uh, the last couple of years that your, 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 the deep ball arm strength isn't, isn't quite as what it, what it was when you were younger. Because I imagine at some point, if you're relying on arm strength, at, at a certain age you have to become more of a finesse passer. And I think that's the stage that Sean Hill has reached. Because last night's game – Early on, we saw some dangerous floating passes from Hill. Thielen was a recipient. Uh, Charles Johnson was a target. And as a result of these passes being floated without much zip, the defense was able to close and break up the play. It wasn't looking great for Hill, but then as he got into a rhythm, he started to hit his spots. And despite not having a lot of arm strength, he was hitting guys in stride, he was plopping passes into small windows. He hit Kyle Rudolph down the seam on a very nice offensive play. He found Adam Thielen down the field a couple times. It turned out to be a pretty nice performance for Sean Hill, and it encouraged me a bit that even though he may not have a Brett Favre-like arm at this stage of his career, he can still fire it into tight windows using finesse rather than speed. Well, this is sort of the, the classic uh, story for almost any athlete, whether it's basketball uh, or football uh, or possibly even you know baseball, where at the end of your career, uh, you know definitely the latter end uh, portion of your career, you, you you rely less on your pure athletic ability, your pure talent, uh, and you have to go and rely more on your head, uh, understanding the game, understanding when to take chances. Uh, and obviously, your accuracy should should continue to get better, you know, as your career goes on. When you spend, you know, I spent 17 years, five years in college. Obviously, on my high school time, but five years in college and 12 years in the NFL. 17 years, you know, honing the craft and and sharpening the sword at uh, at being a, a better accurate passer. Um, that uh, you know, over time, you start using other things rather than just I'm going to come back here and fire this ball in there. Uh, and, and see what happens. You, you start using the other sort of intangible aspects of playing the quarterback position. Definitely accuracy uh, and being smart with the football are two things that an older quarterback usually gets uh, gets, gets better at. And, and that's what you have to rely on. 
And that's what it wins your football games a lot of times in the NFL. You know, Drew Brees has thrown for 5,000 yards a few times in his NFL career. I don't think he can throw the ball 55 yards. and I don't think he ever could. Uh, but he's probably the most accurate quarterback in NFL history and obviously very, very smart. So uh, there's definitely a lot of things you can do without having the, the rocket arm. It's the Locked on Vikings podcast. Sam Ekstrom, Sage Rosenfels. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Audio Boom to listen. So, Sage, last night, uh, and I talked about it in Thursday's podcast, I wanted to see how the Vikings front seven would be able to contain Russell Wilson because this is a team that struggled in the past with mobile quarterbacks. They let Russell Wilson get away from them a couple times in the playoff game last year, which ended up burning them. But last night, they were impeccable in their pass rush. They contained him well. And you know how Russell Wilson has that patented spin move to escape his way out of the pocket? He tried it about three times and got hunted down every time. Either he spun into somebody or Everson Griffin was hot on his heels and and got him around the ankles. It was a masterful defensive line performance by the Vikings, particularly Everson Griffin, who just continues to play at at a new level. The way he gets off the ball is unlike any other defensive end I've seen in the National Football League. Yeah, Everson's an extremely powerful football player, and you know, you got to realize these guys also do go against Teddy Bridgewater, you know, every day during training camp and practice. And so Teddy's pretty, uh, pretty good at escaping the pocket and, and making something out of nothing, or at least getting getting out of trouble. And uh, that was very encouraging last night for the Vikings, the way that pass rush worked and the way those guys run to the football and and can pass. Probably the most mobile quarterback in the NFL right now, the most dangerous quarterback to, to make something happen when the pocket breaks down. But, you know, pass rush usually starts. And this is going back when I was playing in Miami. We had Jason Taylor. Uh, obviously, my time in, in Minneapolis and Minnesota with Jared Allen and other guys. Uh, the pass rush actually starts on first and second down and stopping the run uh, and getting the other team in a third and long situation. If you can't stop the run, there's a lot of third and ones, third and twos, second threes and fours you're not going to be able to rush the quarterback very well. Teams can run the ball. Teams can get the ball out quick. Uh, teams can do a lot of different things. But if you can get, if you can stop the run uh, and get the team in a third and seven, third and eight, third and ten situation, uh, that's when you can guys like Everson Griffin can really, uh, you know, just, just wait for that snap count and, and fire off the ball. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and the offense wants to have as many guys out in the pass pattern as possible so they can't have their times chipped can't have the running backs chip, all those types of things, and, and keep those guys in. So you have a huge advantage advantage defensively uh, if you can stop the run on first and second down and get in a third and long situation. Now, speaking of stopping the run, the Vikings were not great last night, particularly in the second half with some of the second teamers. So let's leave that as a caveat. But 31 attempts by Seattle, 100 87 yards and a lot of those yards coming from Troy Maine Pope a running back that I had never known until last night but might take first in my fantasy league he was unbelievable but so <laughs> so far Sage and through two preseason games 4.7 yards per rush allowed 2.5 yards per rush gained on offense so the running game offensively and defensively still lagging a bit behind you know on defense you wonder why that's a problem when you have so many athletic defensive linemen, you have a big nose tackle at Linval Joseph. You have fast, strong linebackers. 
can you put your finger on why this might be an issue for the Vikings? Because it's it's been a bit of a problem under Zimmer in the first two years as well. Well, I think that, uh, you know, in this situation, I don't worry too much about what happens in the second half. I, you know, you see a lot of young guys playing. You're sometimes seeing guys playing sort of out of position. Uh, so, yeah, I really more worry about what happens in the first quarter, the mm-hmm. first half in these season games. But, you know, I, what, is, what is more concerning to me than stopping the run uh, is the, the Vikings running the football. And we all understand, you know, Adrian Peterson's not in there. Uh, that obviously makes a huge difference. The best, probably the best runner in the NFL right now. Uh, but you know that, that's been a con- that is the concern for me of, of anything on the Vikings is the offensive line. Uh, it's going to be a topic of conversation the entire season. Whether it's protecting the quarterback or, or creating some holes in the run game, uh, they got to find a way to, to run the football. Uh, and that might be part, you know, the players. That might be part the coaches trying to find uh, running plays that fit this type of offensive line. Uh, that might be something in the scheme that they could do to try to create an advantage over the defense. Uh, running the football is, is going to be key to this style, this style of team for it to win. Uh, this is a this going to be a blue collar type of effort. This is not going to be a you know 1999 Vikings where they're throwing the ball over the field uh, and winning games through the air. Uh, they're going to play really good defense. They got to stop the run, uh, but they got to run the football offensively. Uh, so Teddy's not back there in those third and long situations and run around for his life. Tony Sperano, obviously the new offensive line coach. He may be bringing in some new ideas that they are still instituting. And obviously the the workhorse, Adrian Peterson, has not yet been unleashed, though there's rumor that he may play on Sunday. And people sometimes talk, Sage, in this market about life after Adrian Peterson and how Jerick McKinnon is more versatile, he's shiftier, can catch the ball better than Adrian. But in, in the small sample sizes I've seen, whether it be 2014 when Adrian was out due to off-the-field issues or whether it was last year when Adrian had some minor injuries, I've yet to see this team run the football at a high level without him in any scenario. And it just goes to show how spoiled we've been for a decade with Adrian Peterson providing a home-run threat every time he touches the football. That's a luxury that I'm not sure we'll ever see again in the NFL with the way it's going and the passing oriented league. Adrian Peterson really is one of a kind and we need to appreciate that. Yeah. It's just very unusual to have a back that can, you know, not only run the ball like he does, but, but consistently take the punishment uh, and still ask for, you know, more carries 25, 30 carries the game. He rarely gets hurt. Uh, seems like he's just as strong in the fourth quarter, if not stronger, than he is in the first quarter. So, yeah, it's just, just a rare beast. I mean, people say, you know, Adrian's one in a million. I disagree. I say he's one in a billion. I think there's only a, a few people on this planet uh, who get the type of DNA uh, that Adrian Peterson has. You know, guys like maybe LeBron James are just just at a whole different level than everybody else physically. Uh, and Adrian, for a running back, is definitely built that way. So last night, the Vikings and Seahawks almost went to overtime. I'll take it one step further. Sage, have you ever played in a preseason tie? You know, I, I'm trying to think back. I, I think I played in about 55 preseason games and uh, somewhere around there. And I don't think uh, we ever went to overtime or, or a tie. You know, teams would always go for two to you know, try to you know, win it if you were say, you know, down by one uh, in, the, in the last few seconds of a game. 
but, you know, thank God for Marcus Sherrills, right? I mean, Marcus right. Sherrills was a young player, I think a, a rookie or a second-year player when I was last with the Vikings. Um, and he's a guy that y- y- you sort of see him out there, and you're like, all right, he's just one of these undrafted free agents, not very big, uh, you know, not super fast, that doesn't really do anything special. He's not going to make the team. He's going to be on the third or fourth team. And he just kept doing things right all the time in Leslie Frazier's defense. He was a great little slot corner. He could return punts. He could return kickoffs. You need him to do that. He could be good on all the special teams. You could have him as a gunner on the on the punt team. He's one of those guys. And, and a classic example, he's been in the league for a long time now. And here he is at the end of the second preseason game, uh, a now crafty veteran at this point. Uh, and he is out there. You know, you know, sort of fighting for his life, trying to make the football team like like he does every single year and making plays. And he's a guy you just can't keep off the field because he just does so many things right. And, of course, he's going to make an occasional mistake. He's going to get beat sometimes. He's going to fumble a punt maybe one, one or two times this year. But he does so many good things for this football team. Uh, he's not flashy, but he just does everything the coaches ask him to do. So, you know, a little uh, – word of encouragement to any you know young athletes out there or, or, or dads or coaches out there the, the, the kids and the guys that just do what you're trying to ask them to do uh to the best of their ability and do it 99 percent of the time those are the guys you want your football team and leslie frazier understood that uh and, and i think mike zimmer really understands here with marcus Shedd. he's a guy that just does so many good things all the time even though he's not uh, a premier, you know, slot corner or anything, or premier punt returner. Um, he does so many. He's such a valuable asset to this football team. He's just so hard to cut. Yeah, Marcus Shell's the pride of Rochester. John Marshall, probably the most reliable gunner on this team, and maybe in the league, and one of the most reliable punt returners in the league. Rarely makes a mistake in that regard. And his touchdown last night prevented a possible tie. And the reason I brought it up, Sage, is because I have a a trivia nugget to close. It was a decade ago, August 31st, 2006. The Vikings and Cowboys played to a 10-10 tie in the fourth preseason game. And I think you mentioned him a couple episodes ago as the idiot kicker. Mike Vanderjack (laughs) missed field goals of 32 and 33 yards in overtime to extend the game, resulting in an eventual tie. I feel like that might have been the uh, the end of the idiot kicker Mike Vanderjat's uh, career uh, right, right there. I feel like they brought in somebody else the following day. So, yeah, you know, preseason games, they shouldn't even have overtime or anything like that. If it ends in a tie, it ends in a tie. Uh, it's not a big deal. I mean, by the, end of the, by the end of the game, in particular the fourth preseason game, there's only, you know, sometimes, you know, 20 or 30,000 people left in the stadium. People are, are headed home, particularly on a, on a Thursday night uh, and probably have school the next day. So, yeah, ties in the preseason are definitely no fun. And thanks to, thanks to Marcus Sherrill, uh, we didn't have to endure a tie last night or overtime. It's Locked On Vikings with Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, I imagine you have a gate to get to. We'll let you get there. Do you have a go-to in-flight beverage that you usually enjoy? Tomato juice. Every single time, I mean, you gotta fly. You gotta, you gotta drink and eat healthy, so you don't get any spices on the plane. So I go right to the tomato juice. Hey, I can support that. Uh, have a good flight. Have a great trip, and we will talk to you on Monday. All right, Sam. Have a great weekend. You too. At Sage Rosenfels on the Locked On Vikings podcast. 
We've got the weekend off, and we'll try to come back Monday with some more information on Teddy Bridgewater. Perhaps we'll see if Mike Zimmer's more willing to discuss it Saturday and Sunday at Vikings Media Access. Over the weekend, go sample some of the fantastic Locked On podcasts across the entire network, whether it's NFL or NBA. I guarantee you there's one for you. For Sam and Sage, we'll see you Monday. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.